Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the podcast version of Source Story, a video series for history teachers. Each episode of this series features a conversation around a primary or secondary source that teachers can use in their classrooms. Given that the original version of this conversation was held in English, so too is this podcast episode. Watch the video, available on YouTube, to see the details of each source, and visit our website, sourcestory.ca, for resource links and lesson activities. Hello everyone, bonjour tout le monde, my name is Dr. Samantha Cotrera and I am a history education strategist based in Toronto. Welcome to the first video of our brand new video series, Histoire Source, Source Story. This is a new video series for Canadian history teachers to introduce them to primary and secondary sources that they can bring into their classroom to challenge the way we normally teach and learn and think about Canadian history. I am so excited to be able to bring this series to you because by talking with academic historians, public historians, archivists, museum curators, artists, activists, we can have broader conversations about the past and ways to mobilize the past for a more equitable future. So often when we are teaching Canadian history, and I put myself in this category, so this is, this is no judgment, this is no shade, often when we're teaching Canadian history, we can get into the same pattern. Even when we are um, like doing inquiry work, we often have like ideas in our head of where we need our students to go. And so with this series, we're gonna introduce you to primary sources that break open some of those historic spaces that we normally kind of think about in Canadian history, these like little bubbles of narratives that we often just repeat and repeat and repeat, and instead have some conversations about what these sources are, how they can challenge how we normally think about Canadian history, and of course, most importantly, how you can bring these into your classrooms. Most of the sources that we will be talking about throughout the series, and we'll have about two videos a month until June, and then next year we'll have a whole new series to show you. Um, most of the sources that we're going to be talking about are available online through online archives or online museums. Some of the sources are really fantastic books that you can get through your local bookstore. And all of the sources that we're gonna be talking about will have a web page on our own website that provides some lesson suggestions about how you can bring these ideas into your classroom. Um, what we wanna do though is to be able to build a conversation. So if we're talking about something and you get a really great idea or you link with another online source, please comment below. Also check us out on all of our social media websites or social media pages to let us know how you're thinking about these sources so that we can start to build a like national conversation about these different sources and how they can challenge Canadian history. Now, when I am doing the videos, uh, they will be in English. However, for our Francophone watchers, there is a completely uh, correct <laughs> French subtitles available if you click below for the closed captioning. And when we have our French host, for those of you who will be watching in English, there will also be a completely correct English subtitles available as closed caption so that you can engage in either French or English depending on how uh, it's best for you to listen or to read. Also, our website's completely bilingual, so we'll have some, so while the sources might be in French or English, if you go to our website, there'll be lesson suggestions in both French and English so that you can bring them into your classrooms, again, across Canada. 
So this is our first uh, video in the series and I am just so excited because I've been following this particular organization for a couple years now, maybe since the pandemic started. And I think their social media presence is so fantastic. But then when I went onto their website, I was like, these are some really, really cool resources. And I was really excited that they wanted to talk about them because I would love for teachers to be able to use them even more. So today we are talking with the curator and assistant curator of the Buxton Museum. Now Buxton, Ontario is a small town in southwestern Ontario. Now why is this relevant to the rest of Canada? Well, they have different sites that are both available like in in the real world like on property i don't know why i can't think of these words now we're just so used to zoom but they also have renderings of these spaces on their website see i can say that because i'm used to now talking to a computer for the last two years um and so these sites are so interesting to be able to visit both in like real life and in the real life on websites. Again, I can't even think of those words. Because here's the thing, they are kind of mid 19th century, late 19th century, early 20th century sites. Uh, the, the site we're going to be talking about today is their schoolhouse. And normally when we are teaching about this period, right, like, like I said, the kind of mid to late 19th century, early 20th century, we're talking about things like confederation. Um, if we're talking about a schoolhouse, we often like focus on things like gender division <laughs> between the girls and the boys. They have different like doors. We talk about like the strictness of schools or the fact that like um, young people, uh, you know, would go at different times in order to help on the farm. Like these are probably narratives that you're familiar with because they are the standard narratives we often talk about when we are teaching about schools during this period. Now, how often do we link our conversation about schools with our conversations about confederation, right? Like not, not very often. I'm not, not to say we're going to talk about confederation today, but like, what does it mean to talk about community during the same period? We're talking about the building of a nation. And I think that that is such an interesting, complicated conversation. We also, when we're talking about black Canadians during this period, we'll talk about like the Underground Railroad, but we won't talk about the like importance of building community, the importance of integrated communities across Ontario, but other provinces across Canada. And so with this particular source, we can bring these conversations more to the fore so that there's complication in our understanding of mid 19th, late 19th century, early 20th century. And so I'm really excited to talk with the curator and the assistant curator of this museum to be able to, to discuss why a source like their 3D rendering of a schoolhouse can invite these conversations. So let's go over to Zoom. We're going to meet both Shannon and Mariah and uh, have this kind of rich conversation. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment below when and if you have ideas about how to bring these conversations into your own classroom. Let's go over to Zoom. 
Hello, both. Thank you so much for talking <laughs> with me today. I am so excited to be able to start the series talking to both of you, um, both the curator and assistant curator of the Buxton Museum. So before we get too much into the conversation, um, do you want to introduce yourselves? My name is Shannon Prince, and I'm the curator at the Buxton National Historic Site Museum, and I'm also a sixth generation descendant from the site. That's such My a great, like, it's so wonderful to have both, like, that family connection, but also, like, the administrative connection. And so, anyway, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mariah Kack. And I'm the assistant curator here at the Buxton Museum. And uh, I'm from Chatham, uh, Kent. I live uh, just a couple roads away from the museum. Um, and yeah, I started working here almost five months and it's been great. I recently graduated from school um, just this past uh, spring. So I ended up here and it's great. It's one of those uh, positions where you know, you don't know you're super, super into something unless you have the opportunity to be fully immersed. So that's great. I've kind of found a new love for this, the museums and the education kind of aspect of it all. So I'm really grateful to be here and for this opportunity. Yeah, it's really exciting to be able to go from like, like academic to all of a sudden very practical and to be like, oh my gosh, look at all these things that we can do. So it's really great to talk with both of you bringing such like different types of experiences to this work. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. So I was so excited to invite you to talk about some of the different online sources that you have. I'm going to switch over to screen share to show people what I'm talking about. Um, and then when I kind of show people what we're talking about, we'll talk just a little bit about the museum before we get started. So let me go over to screen share. So on your virtual part of the website, you have some interactive sites, which is so cool. I think we're going to talk about the schoolhouse today because it's like these 3D renderings of the actual spaces that you have. And you also have a 3D rendering of like the museum itself, which is just so fascinating. And I think it's going to be so useful and interesting for teachers to know about and to use in their own classrooms. So I, before we get started to talking about this, do you want to just introduce a little bit about the museum and then we can kind of go into talking about the actual source we're going to be talking about today. Um, the museum is a wonderful living history, if you will, and we're very fortunate to have so many primary resource documents uh, available. Um, the site itself was founded in 1849. So uh, where we are situated was one of the largest black settlements uh, for former enslaved people to come to. So, and it's a very hands-on museum pre-COVID basically, because I think it's very important, especially for when children come to be able to experience picking up original shackles to get a sense of how heavy they wear. And the fact that uh, children had worn them as well as adults, but to really get a sense of how life was like uh, prior during the Civil War and during slavery and then coming to here in freedom. And I think that's another one of the really wonderful aspects about the museum is because we do talk about um, slavery in Canada, the Underground Railroad, and the success of the people that arrived here. So we have, um, like the school that we're going to see in 1861, we have one of the oldest buildings. 
Um, we have an old barn that was built by Abraham Dwarf Shad, who was a very wonderful, amazing Underground Railroad agent. <laughs> um, but also, we have original diaries and journals and uh, photos, which tell an immense amount of history. So when people come, they can actually get a sense of, wow, what a thriving community this was, and almost basically taking a step back in time. So it's, and to be able to share some of my history uh, and to, you know, just to remind them that you are walking on, not say, well, I guess I wanna say sacred, but also, historical ground and touching buildings that were once built by someone who had once been enslaved and found freedom in Buxton. So it's a, um, I encourage people to check out the website and visit if you can, and when you can. <laughs> right, there's that element as well. I think it's so interesting when you say like sacred ground, because it's so easy when we're talking about, for example, Black Canadian history to be like, oh, there's the Underground Railroad. And then like, history just kind of stops and to be able to think about building of communities what that means to like the soil what does that mean when you're like touching buildings that were uh, built by formerly enslaved people that found refuge in Canada what does that mean to build community I think is so important for understanding the Canadian past, but also to move forward in the Canadian yeah. future by thinking about these sacred places and remembering that they are sacred. Yeah. Yes, it's really because, and I think one of the very, because of the school, because when you go in, you can see those original 1861 materials, but also the oldest home that we have is a log cabin um, that was built in 1852. And there were a lot of, um, <laughs> There were a lot of uh, dissension in the community because people did not really like the idea of having blacks coming into their backyard mm. uh, when they arrived, uh, because again, there was that perception of them being lazy, etc. So Reverend King, the founder, basically said, and he firmly believed that if blacks had the same opportunities as whites, they could become self-sufficient and self-sustaining. So mm. the cabin, when you go in, you can see those original hand-hewn logs and you're touching them and you can feel that and see the different people who helped build that. And they could do that in a day. So you're talking about, you know, seven, to, seven in the morning to seven at night, this community is coming to help. If you arrive in the middle of the night, Samantha, everybody's going to come and help you build your, your log cabin. So it was that strong sense of community that tied everybody together. Um, and even though we're, this community is not as um, highly populated, it still has that strong sense of community that still has that tie today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I think it is important to remember that those ties that were built in 1861 remain today, right? Like, just like there is in, in many communities across Canada. So let's get into talking about the source. And I really have two questions, although I think there's going to be a lot of sub questions. And the first is, what is the source we're going to be talking about? And how can we teach about that in a way that challenges Canadian history? So I think, Mariah, you're going to start us off by talking about the source itself, correct? So this building is um, one of the original buildings, uh, schoolhouses built on the Buxton Settlement. So it is otherwise known as SS-13 Raleigh. And um, again, it was one of three schools built in Buxton, and they were built out of necessity. Um, and that is because in um, 1815, Upper Canada, the Common Schools Act was passed, which essentially allowed schools to segregate based off of 
uh, religion, which unfortunately meant people used it to segregate off of race as well. And with that said, uh, many of the Buxton students were not allowed to attend schools in the surrounding community. So this school was built um, for those students. Um, now, ironically, so the, the education that was taught here was very, very high. It was a classical education, so classes in both Latin and Greek. And ironically, this actually led to a number of schools in the surrounding area to closing because the parents were all sending their students to this school to achieve that higher level of education. Um, now, this school was built in 1861 and used all the way up to uh, 1968. Um, wow. And when you look inside, when you look inside here, so the school was actually um, integrated from the start. So in many of the class photos, you'll see, um, you can get to some better angles. Actually, here we go. There's both white and black children. So they, again, chose to be integrated from the very um, start. Um, but the actual uh, program that we're using to be able to view this is, again, it's called Matterport, which is that 3D kind of a rendering, which is so great because you can, you know, walk around the whole building. Um, so right here is the boys' uh, cloakroom. And on the other side is the girls' cloakroom. So that's where they would have come in to hang their coats and outdoor clothing. And while we're in this room, I also want to point out the walls and the ceilings. So that's 85% original tin. I um, mean, it has been color tested as well. So it is the original color. And let's hop into the main body of the building here. So, so I used to work, sorry to interrupt. I used to work at a living history museum. So I used to work like in the actual buildings. And it's so, it's so cool how it really feels like you're there. Like this is such a well done. 3D mm -hmm. rendering it's so like and you can see the detail of like the tin walls which is really cool mm -hmm. and another really great aspect of this too which um I kind of passed it a little bit are these little points that you can click on um and it's great because it provides a lot of in more information about um, the building or the object in different ones uh different colors mean different things so the orange is like the videos um again green is just more information so it's great if you're not super familiar with the history of the building because if you're unable to go in person for a tour you know this is available right at your fingertips to to do so um now at its height there were actually 100 students um in this building wow. and there are currently 53 desks to kind of put it into perspective and um kind of how they did this was oftentimes they would use like the buddying up system which is some of the smaller students would pair up with another small student in one of the larger desks here, if you can see my mouse there. And then maybe some of the older students would sit one person in a smaller desk. Um, now the three desks at the very front, I'm gonna zoom in here a bit. These three are actually original um, to the school so when it was first built, which is quite incredible. Now, I also want to point out, um, I'm going to turn around here, the lamps all around the building. So these would have been oil lamps at the time. Um, and this was necessary because the push for a higher level of education was really embraced by the whole of the community. So while the children would attend school during the day, um, any adults who had not received an, an education could come for night classes, which were actually taught by Reverend uh, King. So, of course, the, the oil lamps were necessary. 
Now, before I pass it off to Shannon, I also wanted to take a look at the wheelchair here. So this wheelchair was actually built by the men in Buxton for a young um, student named Lillian Johnson Shreve, who is depicted back here in this class photograph from 1910. Zoom in a little bit more here. So here she is in the bottom left corner. So she was either in that wheelchair or uh, when she got a little bit older, the one at the front. And Lillian Johnson Treve was actually born with a birth condition that made it very difficult for her to walk. Mm. So it just goes to show how, you know, innovative the, the individuals from Buxton were to be able to, you know, build that for her. So um, now I wanted to end here because um, I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but it kind of goes into nicely about what we might be talking about. So I'll just give a little bit of a, a, a preface here. This is actually kind of um, a great resource for teachers and students because it's a, a project that they can do where basically the students will be assigned to an individual in this photo and we have enough information on these particular students so that the, the student can research them a bit on their own and then once they have enough information from us they can kind of venture out and find more information um, about them and then you know present it and it's great because it provides a way for these students to really step into the shoes of someone else in this history. And it, it really is great because, um, you know, stories are so important for being able to make that type of connection. I um, also was, I worked at Living History Museum and we had a schoolhouse. And what was so interesting about that little tour is that there's so many things that I, I was familiar with because of other schools I've, I've learned, but then like really unique elements to Buxton. And uh, like that kind of blend is really exciting, I think, because if a teacher wants to be able to like do a tour, a schoolhouse tour, they have that there. And then there's all these like extra little things that they can bring in. And that's, that's why I wanted to talk with with this museum versus another museum, because I think that those extra little things can bring in so much more like complexity and richness to the history of this time period and how we like think about these different elements of history. So, and just to add, sorry, just to add to what you're saying, um, I completely agree. And I think it's the source is so important because it, it allows people to, you know, view this history from an Afrocentric lens which I find in schools, at least when I was in elementary school and, and history, we really weren't exposed to as much as I would like to admit, you know, so, or, or as I wish we would have been. So I think this is great because it provides that way to, you know, challenge the, the traditional narrative. Yeah, and so my second question is how can we use this source to further challenge um, uh, Canadian history generally? And I think I think like starting with being like this can be a very much an Afrocentric conversation is like the first way to start. So how do you think we can use this source even more to challenge Canadian history? You know, one of the things that really, I guess, because of the, the museum and the founding and uh, the uh, how it was founded. And uh, I think one of the big things here was the integration. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a, a vital component anymore to me, uh, especially with, with what is happening within the world, uh, because I think some of those myths are still out there. And in order to help dispel them, they need to really understand 
the success and when they did arrive and how significant and how effective integration was here within the settlement uh, because it it proved you know because um, once the whites <laughs> were seeking out this education they were looking at blacks through a whole different lens and now it's like wow they're not as bad as I had previously conceived them to be um, so now and I think with today's today's generation and our eventual future because this gives them a broader knowledge and it builds relationships and it brings you it brings everything into context with with um, such a diverse culture that we are having now uh, because I think for so long it has been um, so European um, focused and now I think because they're understanding the um, the different cultures that have shaped Canadian history, that, that narrative, that there were so many people involved that they really need to embrace all of them. So I think this is, we are just one of, and so because I think this is a perfect example of how this community uh, went from being shunned to being one of the most successful of all the Black settlements that were established um, in Canada West at the time. Some of them didn't come to fruition, but there were so many um, amazing people that left this community that were educated here. We have the first Black Canadian doctor, Anderson Ruffin Abbott, uh, the first congressman in um, Alabama, James Rapier, who was the first te Black teacher at that school that Mariah just showed you, um, Lillian Johnson, who became Marcus Garvey's secretary. So these people, even though they were shunned and the obstacles that they overcame uh, that did not stop them, even though they were, you know, you can't do that, um, which, <laughs> which was something, you know, it was their spirit and their passion, you know, they, you know, they can shackle their hands, their feet, you're not going to shackle my mind, you know, my determination, um, and my heart to, to grow and continue, and my family is going to succeed. So I think we are one of those perfect examples. But I think, it needs to be challenged throughout uh, because I know there was discrimination and segregation in so many places across Canada, because I think the last segregated school was down in Essex way in 1960s, mm -hmm. you know, so I think, you know, people need to start looking in their own backyards of what has happened because there's so many different communities um, that settlements that were established. Uh, but we were one that were that um, <laughs> was, was very successful. And I think, you know, it's looking at the past to so we don't repeat it. We need to look at the future. We don't need to repeat the past. Um, so we need to embrace that. And I think that's one of the things that is really important about this 1910 photo um, that we have to really step into someone's shoes and to see where they came from. Um, their journey along the way and coming to Buxton, getting educated, and then leaving and becoming successful um, and depreciate um, who we are. Yeah, and like the 1910 photo, just for uh, for viewers, it was that last photograph that Mariah showed. And I think we're going to yeah. go back to that in a second. But I just wanted to like pick up on something that you said there because you as a community and then you're like, oh, settlement. And I think that's so I think like that slip of words is so important because like you can have settlement, but what does it mean to build community? Mm -hmm. And I really loved the tour that you gave us of the school, Mariah, because there were so many different elements there that showed what 
community building is about. And Shannon, when you're highlighting the fact that this is an integrated school, it, it also demonstrates what it means to actually have an inclusive community. Like what, yes, you're going to have like nighttime classes for adults and you're going to ensure that people with different abilities are able to participate, but also that there isn't that type of exclusion um, yeah. or that there is an invitation for openness. And I really appreciated the, the resonance of community that came through when you're talking about this schoolhouse, because I know when I have taught about schoolhouses like this, that isn't necessarily my focus. And it's so interesting and in this site that it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and another little tidbit, because I went to this school, uh, so did my grandparents and parents and my husband. So we all went to this school. So we all experienced just about the same thing, you know, because, um, because there were those expectations when you walk through those doors. Mm. There was so much respect between teacher and student and student and teacher and student and student and everyone helped each other. Um, and again, if you, because it was a farming community and if you weren't at school, um, the teacher would ensure that you would get your work done. They would bring it home to you or another classmate would bring it home. If you were walking down the street and you, and the, and the people sitting on their porch knew that you, there was a geography test, they would ask you about that. And if you didn't know the answers, come on in and let's have some sugar cookies or whatever until you learn them. So the community was right there with you uh, every step of the way. So that was, it was, it was wonderful. You know, I think a lot of times when we teach Canadian history in classrooms, because it is, you know, Canadian history writ large, we can often, and, you know, I say we without like bringing myself into that, I, I say in my introduction is like, <laughs> no shade if people do this, but it's so easy to kind of think big picture and to think about like actual communities and what does it mean to build a sense of pride in both like sense, self, but also community as a way to kind of build out. Because, you know, when you're talking about a schoolhouse in 1861, often like when you're teaching about that period, you're thinking about confederation and those are such big narratives. But here is such an example of like, how you build a country through community, 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 right? And how you can do that through generations. So yeah, that's, it's, that's really exciting that you have a site that can tell those different stories. It is, it is. And I, and I think we're very fortunate, very, one of the rare examples, if you will, that's still existing as that, is that, you know, small black community. Yeah. 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 And one of the other things we often do in our Canadian history classes, again, no shame, <laughs> is that we often like, we'll stop history, right? We'll be like, well, that happened in this kind of bound time period. And there aren't these like, it's harder to connect things to the present. But um, I know Mariah, you kind of teased us a little bit about that photograph of the back of the classroom and ways that teachers can kind of invite those longer connections with their students. So maybe as a way to kind of conclude the conversation, you can take us back to the, the school and introduce us to one of the activities that you have available online. We've done this in the classroom and it's called Voices of Freedom. So essentially when um, a school 
would come, we would send, like Mariah was saying, information to the teachers, and they would have research resources and answers. And the students would just get a research component. So each student would be assigned someone. So for example, Mariah had talked about Lillian earlier. So you would um, click on Lillian's um, picture in the photograph and her family tree would come down, but there are other family trees that would come down. A map of the United States, where she was from, a possible route that she might have taken, but there's so many other ways that she could have. So there's several routes that she could have taken, but there's other family trees that you might want to investigate. And there's a little bit of a bio about her. So basically, we have provided tools for the student and teacher to do further research on um, on that on Lillian so when students would come for a full day of school that's who they would portray so we would do a very typical day uh, come in separate entrances uh, we would they would wash their hands we would sing God save the king because we're doing 1910 era um, do the Lord's prayer and three Bible readings so then at the end of the day, what is really wonderful is a descendant of one of those students that they had just betrayed will come and share stories about them attending the school. You know, if they moved away, if they got married or if they're buried in the cemetery. So it, like Mariah was saying, it puts them in those shoes and it brings it full circle. And I'll tell you, when students have come, um, you know, when at recess, <laughs> they would go to the cemetery to see where am I buried? And they would, they would get excited. Like, this is my stove, you know? So it's, yeah. it's really interesting to see them getting so engaged and involved in, in, the, in who they are. And some of the notes that we have received back about, um, you know, how, how amazing that program was. That's just so fascinating. I mean, this whole conversation has been so exciting to think about the schoolhouse and the community of Buxton and Black Settlement. And then this as an activity that is that research-based, inquiry-based history where students can really feel personal connections is really just so fantastic. Um, thank you both for telling me about the schoolhouse. The schoolhouse has been such a wonderful like source for us to focus on, but I know that you have other um, 3D renderings that people can visit and other educational resources. So for the last couple minutes of the video, could you tell everyone a little bit more about which sources are or which educational resources and sources are available for teachers and students across Canada? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Again, we have the 3D renderings of, um, so we have three outdoor buildings, including the schoolhouse. We also have a log cabin, which Shannon had mentioned earlier, as well as um, a barn, which belonged to Abraham Dorshad. Um, and along with those three, we have the museum itself. And again, this is really great because uh, you can hop right into the museum and you can click on all of the the exhibits and read a little bit more about them. It's a little bit different than the schoolhouse because you know there's a little bit more information for each exhibit that's on display specifically. Um, but even on our website, we have uh, a number of resources for teachers, and um, it's um, under the educate. I can share my screen if you'd like. Uh, Please bring us over there. So here we have under um, educate on the left here, and then. Um, in classroom lessons. 
So this is a great place to go for teachers because you can um, kind of filter out uh, here what kind of um, content you want, whether you know it's a little bit more appropriate for younger students or older students. So for example, if we just hop into the primary right here, it actually gives you a, a bit of a lesson plan. And um, that's great because you know it can help structure your class a little bit here. And let's just hop in. All right. I'm rambling a little oh, that's bit. That's wonderful. So you have like handouts and worksheets and stuff too. Thank you so much. That was just such a fascinating conversation. I think it's going to be so useful for teachers to be introduced, further introduced to your site, both like your physical site and your virtual site, and to be able to use the sources that you have as a way to build out their conversation about Canadian history and kind of challenging and complex ways. So thank you both for spending this time having these conversations and um, helping us kind of see different versions of the Canadian past, one that is more inclusive and one more focused on community, perhaps. Thank you. This has been a wonderful afternoon. We love to share and educate. <laughs> yeah, thank you so, so much for having us. This has been an uh, amazing opportunity. Thank you both. Um, and so we'll say goodbye and hopefully maybe this summer or maybe next fall or like next year, <laughs> uh, we can all be together in person. And we can maybe do a walkthrough. So thank you again. Thank, thank you. you. This series is a collaboration between Historic Spaces, an educational consultancy, and Glennon College, York University. This series has been made possible by the Government of Canada.